The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Let's get to why we all came here tonight, and that's to talk about love. You with me? I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about much more than relationships. I know that for some of us, when we think about relationships, we're here tonight because we just want to find a relationship. We're talking about something deeper tonight, okay? We're talking about something at our very core, this fact that we have been designed for relationships. And so over the next four weeks, to, to close out our winter quarter together, we're going to be diving into some common threads between friendship, roommateship, okay, working relationships, and yes, of course, romance. Uh, and some things that make those separate, but how can we grow and thrive in those relationships? And do we have a guidance as we think about our relationships and how we should interact in them? Okay, I know some people are scared in this room tonight because you're thinking, okay, I'm in a church. Here's what's gonna happen. They are gonna tell me, don't have sex and then walk off the stage. If you grew up in a church like mine, that's kind of what you heard. That's not what you're going to hear. I want you to know that, that uh, I'm not here to police you. Okay, you're a college student. You're a grown adult. You can do whatever you want. We are going to look at some biblical principles in relationship okay, and how to thrive in those relationships. But I do want to start off by this. Before we dive into tonight's message, last week up here on this stage, I shared some really personal stuff. I just want to thank you for the response that I got. I got up here and made a statement. I said, I think this is my community. I think this is my family. I think there are people in this room that I can trust, that I care about. I want you to know that, that the response that I got totally backed that up. Appreciate how many people stepped into that with me, cared for me. I, I love this community. I love where we're going. I want to thank you here. And I also want to say, as we get into relationships, my goal is not to just give you a bunch of advice to try to be like me. Relationships are tricky. They're different. They're unique. I'm not going to give you a formula up here to be just like me and you'll be happy. In fact, sometimes when we think about relationships, I don't even think I'm qualified to stand up here. Okay, if you ask my wife, she'd be like, man, he, he, we get in fights like every night about something. He does not even, we keep going back to the same things. He keeps telling me how I should feel, which is not a recipe for success. Um, <laughs> but I do, I feel underqualified. I feel very underqualified. Um, to speak on, on, on relationships. Um, but I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited about just entering in this with you. I'm not up here to give advice because I want you just to do what the Bible says because I just want you to do what it says. I, I want you to thrive in relationships because I know how important a part of college and beyond our relationships are. For most of us, we will leave college and we will say the thing that defined my time there positive, negative experience for us was the quality of the relationships that I had during college. I want you to thrive. I care about you deeply, and so does the rest of our staff here. And that's why we're going to get into some tricky stuff here in the next few weeks. Are you with me here? All right, let me pray for us. We'll dive in. Lord Jesus, God, we're gathered here tonight because we know that you're doing something. Some of us, that's harder to see right now. Some of us, that's right in front of our face, Lord. But uh, I pray that tonight, as we dive into your word, as we dive into your intention for relationships in our life, that we would see you show up right here in this place. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, I want to talk about the most exciting and the most scary part of your college experience. 
You know what I'm talking about. You come out to the inn. You're hanging out in big groups of people. All of a sudden outside of here, you're hanging out with this group of like 10 people. One of those people you find attractive. You have a 15 minute conversation with them. You don't get their number. You wish you did. You find them on Instagram. You direct message them. It was cool hanging out with you. And all those other people, but mostly you. Next week, a smaller group is hanging out. Now there's six of you and you two are both there. You spend every moment you can not talking to other people, having fake conversations with other people, looking over their shoulder just so you can pay attention to when you can get that conversation. You get that for 10 minutes. You're super excited. Then you say, we should grab a cup of coffee or something sometime or hang out. Or you just text, you get their number and you're texting for a week and you're super excited. Then you invite them to go do something and you have this long talk and you think, wow, this person is incredible. And you show up at the end on Tuesday night and you look around for them and you think, how can I like talk to them but not make it obvious that all I can think about is them. And then Mike's up here speaking, but all I'm thinking about is that 15 minutes once the end is over that I might get this conversation in. And then it's Friday night and you're, and you, and you said, Hey, we should do something. And you're doing something. Hopefully more than just watching TV at your house but you're hanging out. You're on this great walk. You're so excited. You've been walking around for an hour. You've been talking about, you know, life. And then the next night you're hanging out again. And they turn to you and say, what is this? Okay. Quick show of hands. You're the other person there who loves this moment. We have six people. Who dreads this moment? Who didn't want to vote? Oh, a lot more in that case. I'll tell you why that's our scariest moment. Right now there's something going on inside. Uh-oh. I am about to have what we call a DTR. We are about to define this relationship and I have no idea. I have no idea how to define this, but you think I should be courageous and go first. So you say, this is nice. No, I'm just kidding. That's what Ari says. I hate the bachelor now. You know why if you showed up the last few weeks, last night was awful. Okay. Um, but you really go, what do you think? And cop out. But why this is such a scary moment is we have no idea what the other person is really thinking and we're about to enter into a very, very vulnerable place where they're going to say something like, hey, I really feel like this is an exclusive relationship here and I'm excited about dating you and only you. And you're like, this is fantastic. I did not expect it to go here tonight, but I could get down with exclusive relationship together. Okay, I'm in. Or that dreaded moment where they say, you become such a great friend. Okay, judging from audience reaction, I'm going to guess that one has happened more often. <laughs> DTRs are really tough. It's really tough to enter into them. Okay, it's tough to even know when you're in one sometimes. Rachel, my wife, and I, we were friends for two years before we started dating. Okay, when you try to turn a two-year friendship into a romantic relationship, the DTR is like a whole day. Okay, for us, it was a three-hour boat ride. Three hours, we're out rowing on a little rowboat that I bought specifically for this moment. I really did. That is a true story, people. 
And I thought, we've been friends for, for two years now. How do, I, how do I have this conversation? And even though all signs and every person out there would have pointed to the fact that she wanted more than just friendship, I still had no confidence in myself. That was a little sigh. That was, that was sad. That was not meant to be sad. What I just mean is that DTRs are tough. It's tough to enter into that space to define the relationship. It's a vulnerable place, and it's not always a conversation that we're excited about. But sometimes defining that relationship can now give us freedom okay, to live within that relationship knowing what it is. It's actually a very healthy conversation. Now, uh, what I'm not trying to say is if you just met somebody tonight here that you need to walk out of here and, and say, what is this uh, as you leave? <laughs> Don't think that I'm just pushing to have a DTR right away. But I do want you to know that, that it's a really healthy conversation. And so we have actually titled our series here, okay, for the next four weeks, we're gonna call this DTR. We're gonna define the relationship. And in a different way than defining what exactly your relationship with somebody else is, we are gonna define what relationships should be and what the purpose of them are. Because as we understand that, then we get the freedom to live in to that relationship. We have the proper expectations for what that relationship should bring us. Because nothing is worse than when two people in a relationship have the opposite expectations of what they should get out of it. I want us to have the proper expectations as we, we gather together of what relationships should look like. And so tonight, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Some of you guys came here for some uh, Mike's like secret dating tips. That's not going to happen tonight. I'm sorry. I'm really, I know it's going to be really sad. Some of you are going to want something more practical when you leave tonight. And we're not going to hit on the super practical. Okay. Tonight, what I want to do is I want to look at an overview. I want to look at God's design for us in relationship, what the purpose Okay, of relationships is supposed to be in our life. I want to step back and I want to look at an overview. Okay, and then, um, and just to set kind of the scene uh, for the next four weeks, then we're going to take three weeks and we're going to dive deeper, more practically into what that looks like for our life. Does that make sense? Next week, Joyce, we're going to hear from Joyce, who was up here earlier. She's going to speak uh, out of her own life and, and her relationship and uh, kind of what God is doing in the midst of that. It's going to be a great week. You won't want to miss that. Two weeks from tonight, uh, my wife, Rachel, and I are going to speak together about our, uh, about our relationship, kind of some more practical stuff that, that we've been engaging, um, some of the things we've learned from doing things wrong and every once in a while getting some right. Um, and then to finish our series in three weeks, we're going to have some guest speakers that are going to come that night uh, to close our series out, and it should be a pretty cool um, night. So overall, that's kind of where we're going with this series. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I want to mention as we, as we get into this is we're not going to cover everything, okay? And that's impossible. But even as I thought of what is so important for us to talk about up here, there's like a hundred things that I thought, hey, we... Um, we really, I want to cover all this. I want to, I want to give all these thoughts. And we're not going to get into a lot of that. And if there's something, if you leave tonight, okay, there's something that you go, hey, man, I wish we'd talk about this. I really hope we talk about it. Get, get a hold of us. Email us, um, you know, direct message the Instagram, you know, the in Seattle.org. We'll, we'll respond. I want to know kind of what we're thinking in this room. So if you feel like, hey, there's something I'd really like to talk to, we're not going to get into a lot of, um, I mean, we're going to be practical, but it's not going to drill down on everything. Okay, for example, this is not a series on sex. 
Okay, we're not just gonna get up here and, and talk a lot about sex, but we know that sometimes when we start talking about relationships, that's something that is a pretty big part of, of, of relationships that we think about all the time. And so if we wanna talk more about that. Let me know what you guys are thinking. And also my hope is that what we talk about up front is always leading us into relationship with other people. It's leading us into conversation. Okay, we want the things we talk about from the front to be things that, that then we get the chance to have follow-up conversations about. And we have a great staff here. There's 11 of us on our pastoral staff here that want to engage in a relationship to walk with you through college. That's what, that's what we do. That's our whole purpose is we want to walk with you through college. And again, not to police you. I know that when I was uh, in college and I was kind of making some life choices that I was like, these are questionable, especially in the church. I wouldn't have wanted to, to meet with somebody to talk about them because I would have been just more afraid of, of guilt and shame coming from that. That's not what we're here for. Okay, we're here to walk with you because we care deeply about you. And so I hope that these things help us uh, dive deeper into conversation. Um, okay. I think that's it. Let's dive into uh, what the Bible says tonight about relationships. Okay, we are going to open up to the creation story tonight from the very beginning. And if you have been with us before, okay, you're going to go, Mike, you love to open up to the creation story. Okay, it's something we love to do here. And, and the reason why is I, I think it's so important for us to understand the intention behind the way that we were designed, the way that God created us. And how do we navigate life is, is really uh, has a lot to do with, with who we were created to be. A mentor of mine, Mike Gaffney, would say, when you're doing a puzzle, okay, you dump out all the pieces and you're all excited to, to kind of figure out the pieces and, and get down here in these pieces and start putting them together, figure out the puzzle of life. But the first thing that we need to do is step back and we need to look at the box. Okay, the first thing we need to do if we're going to put together a puzzle is we need to look at the box and get a picture of what this should look like as we put these pieces together in this puzzle. If not, we're just guessing randomly based off looking at colors. And the same thing is true as we try to navigate life, especially as we try to navigate relationships. That if we don't step back here, okay, I want you all to step back with me tonight, away from the super practical, away from the relationship you're in and you're in the middle of a fight right now and all you're trying to do is figure out how to solve that. Okay, when you step back and, and as we get a picture of what relationships should look like, we can then navigate this puzzle of life a little bit more together. Okay, so we're going to open up to Genesis chapter 1. Um, this is part of the creation story, and it says this. Okay, God had created everything at this point, uh, most of the earth. He had, you know, created the stars and the sun and the moon and, and earth and water and, uh, you know, light. <clears throat> and after he does all this, it then says this. God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. First thing I want you to see, in the very beginning, we were created for a relationship. God says, let us make mankind in our image are speaking about the Trinity at this point. Okay. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. There's already relationship happening before we even show up in the picture. We were designed for relationship. We were not designed ever to do this alone. In fact, the, when God created us, he created us for intimate relationships, made in the image of God, a relational God. 
designed for intimate relationships with God. He said, God said, I want intimate relationship with you. And I also want intimate relationship for you. Okay, I want the vertical relationship with you. And then I also want intimate relationship with other people for you. God's desire is intimacy with us and for us. That's the way he created us. I want to start with redefining this word intimacy, because for so many of us, when we think intimacy, the first thought it comes to is sex. It's the bedroom. Our our culture around us would say that intimacy is found in the bedroom. But what I want to do tonight is, is I want to look at what real intimacy is. That word cannot only be associated with physical intimacy. Physical intimacy is a very small part Okay, of intimacy as a whole. Yes, it can play a part in that, but it's not the only thing we talk about with intimacy. So for all of you that that's where your mind goes right away, probably like me, okay, that's fine, that your mind goes there. But I want you to get a bigger picture of intimacy. In fact, uh, former associate director Janie Stewart here would define intimacy, okay, as relationships that are real, safe, honest, authentic, and able to express our needs to one another. Okay, it's an intimate, vulnerable relationship. And culture does not do a great job of teaching us how to have these type of relationships. One of the things we're going to do in this series is talk more about how we have these types of relationships in our life. Culture a lot of times just points us to the bedroom. Hey, that's where we find intimacy. Yes, it is a cheap picture of intimacy, but it's not everything, okay? It's not really this, this vulnerability uh, in, in relationship that God has for us. Um, I want to pause for a second. I know when that word comes up, for some of us, there's this picture in our mind. Um, we, we start to think sexual intimacy right away. And, and even though I say we're not going to dive down super deep on this subject, I know that for some of us in this room right now, even talking about relationships, even bringing up intimacy, sexual or non-sexual, already is, is bringing up some scars in our life. There's a reason why that's bringing up some scars right now is because of the power of sex and the power of our sexuality. Something God created in us for good that is so often mishandled in ways that leave us really, really hurt. For some of us in this room tonight, Okay, we're holding on. I know some of us are coming to college or come into this, you're holding on to some things. The feelings of guilt in our life, some of the shame around that. Okay, we're holding on to some things too tightly and letting them stay with us. They're weighing us down. I believe right here in this room tonight, God wants healing. God wants healing for us tonight. If that's you, and I don't need you to like stand up and walk up to the front. But I know that for me, that was something that has caused so much scar tissue in my life has left a constant mark. Some of us can't even talk and think about relationships without thinking about the pain that has been left. Some of us sexual abuse. Some of us others have affected us in this way. For some of us, we've made some choices based off of the desires that God has put in us. Some great desires. We've made some choices that we're not super proud of. And we're all alone in those. And we feel like we're all alone in those. And we feel like there's nobody we can talk to about them because if people knew, then something. I want you to discover healing. And I want you to know that this is a place, to be honest, 
about what's going on in your life, pain that you experience, and, 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 and that God wants to do something. He wants to work in that place in your life. And it's hard, not that God can't, but it's often hard if we hold that so tightly and don't let anybody in. Okay, that's really important as, as we continue on because even as we look at sexual abuse, we look at this desire. Okay, let's take that for example. This desire we all have for intimacy, but we don't know how to find it. So we settle for cheap imitations all the time. Sexual abuse is one of those things. We want it. We want closeness with somebody else. We don't know how to get it. We end up abusing power. So often to try to find little things that satisfy us for the moment that leave us still feeling just as, as, as discontent afterward. Okay. Um, let's dive back to the text. Uh, the next scripture we're going to look at is uh, continuing on in the story in Genesis 2. Okay, uh, verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Okay, God makes everything. He makes man. Then he says, hey, it's not good for them to be alone. I'm going to make a helper for him. I'm going to make someone with him. And, and people for many years have used this word helper to kind of hold down women. That's not at all what this is. I hope you know that. I hope we know that we're talking about a helper like the way that Jesus like, helps the world, the way the Holy Spirit comes in and helps the world. But what he does talk about is relationships should be a positive experience in our life that help us. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, for two are better than one, for if one person falls, what can the other person do? Can help them, help them up. Okay, a pastor I really like in, in Oklahoma, okay, a guy named Michael Todd would say this. He would say, you don't need a word from the Lord that's a prophetic word. If you're in a relationship and it's not helping you, that may not be a great relationship for you to be in. You don't need to pray about it for months and months to figure out if you should get out of it. Okay, is this relationship helping you? Okay, it's designed for relationships in our life. Let's keep moving on. In Genesis 2, if we continue this text, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Is there any more? Are we at the end there? I don't actually know. We might be at the end. Okay. We're at the end of the text. That's why you, you know, don't read off the screen. You're out of the Bible. Um, <clears throat> let's take a look at this text, okay? God designed an order for our relationships in order for them to be successful. And this is the big thing I want us to dive into tonight. Before God makes Eve and, and, and makes Adam and Eve kind of this, this, this one, this couple, if you will, he does something previous to that. Okay? He gives Adam something. He gives him a purpose in his life. He gives him an identity, okay? It says he put him there in the garden. He gave him a job to do. He gave him responsibilities. He had this intimate relationship with him. And he said, this 
relationship has purpose. You have purpose. You have an identity to who you are. And now that you understand it, I'm going to bring this relationship in your life to help you. The problem for so many of our relationships is that we have this thing flipped, right? Let's be really honest. Let's be really honest in this room that a lot of us are here in college going, I can't wait to find that person because once I find that person, they're going to fulfill the things in me. They're going to help me create my identity. That's the person that I am going to put my worth in. It's flipped from the way that it was originally intended. I'm lonely. I struggle with loneliness. What do I need? I need the right person. Need the right person to come in and solve that problem in my life. And when I get them, then everything will be whole and complete. I'll be wonderful and my life will be great, happily ever after. And every movie would tell you that happily ever after does not come until you found your soulmate. Otherwise, it's not a very good movie. But it's not really good theology either. This might be hitting a little bit too close to home for some of us tonight, okay? I know there's some people that go, hey, maybe I shouldn't have come out here um, to hear this. This is, but it's what's going on in us, okay? We all are on a search for identity, for purpose, for worth. Where have you heard this before? We talk about it a lot here, okay? This is a central point of a series on identity this fall. Why are you hearing this again? Why is it so important for us to understand our identity in Jesus and not in this other person? Because every time you walk out this door, you get beaten with the opposite message. You can hear this twice in one year because you get beaten with the message every time you go out that door that if you don't find the right person, your life is not fulfilled. That if you're not successful, if you don't have a great job, if you don't have the best grades, if you're not living college to the full, your life is not fulfilled. You cannot find your identity apart from success and relationship with other people. Everybody out there, media, you know, the media would say, you need to find that person. And then, man, life is good. Oh, all of a sudden I have purpose. I have worth. Somebody else telling me they love me is bringing me worth in my life. And that is what is making me whole. problem with me saying this is I feel like a big time hypocrite. Guys, if you knew my story, my sophomore year in college, I met a girl we dated the whole year. I thought we were going to get married. Then she broke up with me. It was super sad. She said God was leading her another direction. It's a bad way to break up with somebody, by the way. (laughs) Just a little note, just a little side note. If you've been broken up that way, you come talk to me. We'll we'll form a little club. Um, (laughs) Here's the problem though. That was at 21 years of age for me. I got married to my wife, Rachel, at 29. We started dating when I was 28. I went through a seven-year gap struggling to fill the loneliness in my life. I never would have said that at the time because lonely is not a word we like to use to describe ourselves. We say, oh, I feel very alone. Sometimes we say that. But oh man, using that word, I'm lonely, I feel lonely, that is a very insecure word. That's a hard, that's a vulnerable word to share. But looking back, that's what I did. I had about five years. I would date girls, okay? And I want to be in a relationship just like most of us do. I would pursue someone. I would look around. You know, who do I want to talk to, pursue? I pursue somebody. I would start to be in a relationship. It would be great. It would be fun. It would be all the things you'd hope for in a relationship. And after about three to six months, somewhere in that period, I would get tired of that relationship. I would break up. 
with them, I would move on and I would do the same thing. And it wasn't a problem at one, like one time. You know, that's just like a part of life. But I had some friends to me that go, hey, do you realize for the last five years, this is like your constant state? Like you've been like, there's like six girls in this period that you've dated for like the same amount of time. Like, and we started to dig in. I actually went to counseling for a year and a half. Went to a year and a half of counseling before I met, before I started dating Rachel. And, and looked at this idea that, that I had this problem. I had this problem with loneliness. I had this problem with who I was apart from a relationship. And I, I continually was looking for a relationship to fulfill that and tell me not only that I had worth, but also that I was not lonely, that I was, you know, going to be okay. And originally, and that works right away. It works for a short period of time. People will usually do a, a pretty good job of filling our initial need for relationship, for companionship. They'll fill our loneliness. They'll take that away for a little bit. But after a little while, the same thing would happen over and over as soon as that need was met. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm still lonely. I still got issues. I still, you know, have no idea who I am. I'm not content with myself, but now I'm just in this relationship as well. So I get out. And in the meantime, people got hurt. A lot of people got hurt. I caused some scars. I know that if this was a different room, there are people in this room that I would say the scars are from me. And that's not a fun feeling. That's not a fun feeling to know. Um, but a lot of people can get hurt when we go into relationships looking to have our loneliness filled by that relationship. Does this make sense? I know it's not super romantic. I know what we came here for, for romance was kind of the Jerry Maguire talk, you know. And also we want the, the Tom Cruise to Renee Zellwidger, uh, you complete me. Oh man, that makes us feel so good. Someone else, can, we complete somebody else. That again, horrible theology. Um, God is trying to give us a purpose. Some of us miss that purpose because we're so set on just finding the right person. We've got our head down, we're just looking. I gotta find my soulmate, I gotta find the right person. So we're missing the bigger purpose that God has for us. That's why some of us, some of our relationships are not working right now. I want to point to one more text tonight. Um, and uh, it comes out of Matthew 22. We go to the New Testament and we see Jesus in, in what is called the greatest commandment. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Okay, some people are trying to trip up Jesus. They ask him, what's the greatest commandment in the law? He replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he says this, this is, the, this is the crazy one for you. The second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Prerequisite for loving your neighbor is what? Loving yourself. Loving yourself, man, that's a hard one. I'm gonna say some of us might not be in the healthiest place to enter into a relationship because we don't love ourselves. We're looking for somebody else to fulfill that. And I'm not here to hate on getting in a relationship. I actually love relationships. I think they're very good. I look back at the biblical uh, model that we're designed for relationship, like I said, for intimacy with each other. I'm a huge fan of relationships. And I know also we're never perfect. We never get everything figured out. If we wait till we're perfect to get into relationships, we're gonna wait a long time. But there's some here in the middle. There's this tension that we're wrestling with. Can we enter into relationships without being defined by them? 
It's a really, really healthy place to get in, learning to find our identity in who God says that we are, learning to love ourselves, not looking for someone else to complete us. I'll give you a real practical. When we're looking for someone else to complete us, we get jealous really easy. Okay, some of us in relationships, we get jealous super easy. Every time this person's talking to somebody else, every time, you know, they're not getting back to us, we find ourselves, uh, you know, jealous of, of other people that are getting their attention because we are putting all our stock in this relationship completing us. And so we get super nervous. Not just that, like, they would leave us, but, oh my gosh, they, would, they might find somebody better. They might find someone they like more than us. That would devastate us. We find ourselves having a lot of jealous feelings. It's not a super healthy thing in relationships. I'll tell you another. When we think someone is going to complete us, we are in a hurry to get married. Okay, we're in a hurry. I just, I, 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 we're going to get rushed to marriage as quick as we can. One, because if we're Christians and we're not having sex, then we get to have sex, and that's awesome. Um, <laughs> Or we are sleeping together and we just we don't want to feel guilty anymore, so let's get married so then we can't. Um, both interesting. We'll get to that a different time. Um, here's the problem with this desire, trying to rush, rush toward, toward marriage, okay, before we're ready, before our relationship can handle it. Marriage does not solve any of our problems. I'm going to be real, real clear about this. Six and a half years into marriage, I'm not an expert, but I'll tell you this right now. Marriage exposes who you are. <laughs> oh, wow. It, it does not solve any of our problems. And if we're lonely and we, do, we don't have our identity and we're, we don't know who we are and we get into marriage, we are going to be the, the people that are trying to figure out who we are within marriage. And you know what's really tough to see? And I see a decent amount in some of my friends and, and some of my community is people that got married, had no idea who they were, were looking for their fulfillment in somebody else. Now they're married, they're in this, this committed relationship and they're figuring out who they are in the midst of that. And who they are is not exactly kind of who that person is, it's not exactly who they thought they were when they rushed in kind of to that. This is why we see divorce so much. Because people rush to get married and then, and then figure out who they are within that marriage and realize, wait a minute, this is not the person. Or I thought they were going to fulfill all these things for me and take away all my loneliness, and now they're not doing that thing. So the marriage falls apart. I know that none of us, probably not a lot of people married in this room. I get that in college. Some of us aren't thinking about that at all. Okay, but some of us are, are and I just want to you know, put away that this is going to solve all of our problems. In fact, being single... Okay, and I'm going to call singleness the whole state of being not married, whether you're in a relationship or not. You're not married. You're not committed to somebody. You're single. This is an incredible opportunity in your life. Incredible opportunity. You want to date someone? Awesome. Go date them. You want to, you know, spend all your time here at the end trying to figure out somebody to hang out with, have a DTR with, and get into a relationship with? Awesome. Go for it. But use the time. Take advantage of, 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 of being single and not being committed to this other person where you get to, to, can you discover who you are? You know what I love is, is, is in the context of dating to figure out who that person really is, not just trying to be the person that I want them to see so that they'll like me more. That lasts for a couple of weeks. 
The discovery of who you are is such a fun part of college. That's what I desire for you. That's my hope. And then we would learn how to enter into intimate relationships and come back next week. We're going to dive deeper into that idea. Joyce is going to talk a lot about vulnerability okay, and how we discover a little bit more of, of intimate relationships and friendship and dating. It's, it's, going to, it's going to be real good. You're not going to want to miss that. But the key image that I want you to take away is this. The world would tell us intimacy is found in the bedroom. But we get the chance to come to the table, okay? When we come to a table, I want to, I want to put this, that, that intimacy is found right here. There's a very vulnerable place. And this is what I want to be our central image for this series. That true vulnerability, whether with God or in friendship, in relationship with others or in romance, is coming to the table and bringing all we have and seeing what God wants to do through us because his desperate desire for us is to discover intimacy with him. Allow him to work in our lives. Allow ourselves to know him, to love him deeply, to be loved by him and let that love flow out into our relationships. And culture doesn't do a good job of teaching us how to find non-physical intimacy. But I promise the more we open up the Bible and the more we talk about it here, we're going to discover that and discover so much more that God has for us in relationships, that we might be a community of people that thrives in relationships, that honors other people, that helps other people and encourages other people to know their identity and have love and acceptance of what God is doing in their life. That's the foundation that all this is built on. And I hope we take away that foundation before we get into some, some kind of fun practical stuff over the next couple of weeks. Is that cool? All right, let me pray for us. We'll close out for tonight. Lord Jesus, God, I do know that relationships have caused pain for us, that uh, it's, it's hard even God to talk about something on this kind of practical theoretical level at the front and know that on a very real emotional level that we're in all kinds of different places and those emotions are driving uh, how we feel and even, even who we either think we are when we're in this room. God, I pray for transformation tonight. Some of us in this room that are coming in hurt would be transformed by your love, healed by your love. I pray for those of us that are looking for identity and somebody else. God would, would figure out, would wrestle with this idea of, of finding our identity in you. God, and that we may know your love and grace and acceptance in our life. God, and that you may be pushing us um, toward incredible relationships um, that we can find in you and in others around us, God. So we love you and we pray for the rest of our time here tonight. We pray these things in your name. Amen.